Good Saturday evening, everybody. It's 6.30 on the East Coast, 3.30 on the West Coast, which means it's time for the Bobcast MOV with Rick T. and Bob, the heartbeat of the Mid-Ohio Valley. I'm your host, Bob Mercer. With me, as always, in the beautiful downtown metropolis of Murphytown Circle is your host, Rick Sawyer. That would be the man, the legend. And over in her own little part of the world in north end of Parkersburg, in an undisclosed location, T. Good evening, both of you. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, before we get started on a very important um, show tonight, I want to say you got like 90 minutes to get to the Lubeck Volunteer Civic Center. The uh, award-winning Yo-Yo Elite Twirlers are having a um, spaghetti dinner till eight o'clock. We was we was just over there. Good food. A lot of people there. Good good to see the turnout. So that's go over there and support the the uh, the team. They worked very hard on what they did. Some yeah, go, women, go support the team and then come back and watch us later. <laughs> well, some some of them women spent minutes going into Jimmy Colombo's where he donated the garlic bread and stuff. So, oh, he did. Oh, cool. With us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is um, somebody we wanted to have on the uh, podcast. I know we've been having a lot of uh, uh, election, you know, campaign people and um, people running for candidates, and so. We want to kind of switch things up a little bit. With us tonight is Mr. Greg Collins, Executive Director of North Star Child Advocacy Center. Correct, Greg? Yes, sir. Uh, Greg's been around. Most of most everybody in this town knows Greg. Greg. Greg's been involved in law enforcement for a long time, and um, I took over when Greg. How long ago for the for North Star? Well, I started three out years. Different. Yeah, three years next month. Okay, so what we're going to do tonight, we're going to talk to Greg about what he, what their, what his agency does, where they're going, what they need, and if you have any questions, you know how to send us a chat like you always do if that thing would ever stop turning. So without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Greg Collins. He's going to introduce himself, tell us what he does, and we're going to go from. If you have any questions, let us know. Greg, it's on you, sir. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you, T and Rick. Hello to you, and thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Greg Collins. I'm the executive director of North Star Child Advocacy Center, and uh, we used to be known as the Children's Listening Place uh, for some of you who remember the old name. But uh, we went through a rebranding phase because, uh, quite frankly, I was I was experiencing a lot of people in a lot of states that didn't know exactly what we did because of that name. A lot of people thought we were a hearing aid center for children or we were a, a uh, some kind of daycare. So we wanted to, uh, I wanted to get something that, that might resonate better. And it's been a, it's been a great success for us so far. But um, usually when I'm talking to people, um, it's, it's not surprising that the majority of people don't know what a child advocacy center is. And um, and and I wanted to explain that for a minute because uh, if, even people that were close to me or in or close to the center uh, didn't really know what it was all about. But a uh, child advocacy center, and we'll call it CAC for <laughs> for ease of saying for the rest of the night. Um, a CAC was formed in the mid '90s in Huntsville, Alabama, and the idea was to create a better process to help children. <laughs> or alleged victims. And um, back when I did child investigations in the early 2000s, we didn't have a CAC here yet. We didn't have one until 2014. And the, the process uh, for those interviews were as such. So a child might disclose abuse to a teacher. 
and then the teacher would call CPS and then the child would have to tell the story to CPS and then CPS would call law enforcement and the child would have to tell law enforcement and maybe the child, depending on the nature of the, the uh, abuse, if it's sexual, they would have to tell the story to the ER and all these places are scary for kids. This You got to put yourself in this kid's shoes. And um, so when I had to interview them, the choices were, I interview them in the same interview rooms. I interview homicide suspects and burglars and uh, everybody else at the police station, which is scary. Uh, or as I often did, went to CPS on Fifth Street and I went in the basement and I sat on the floor most of the time to get on the same level as these children. And I tried to get them to tell me their story. Um, the thing the CAC did was it brought everybody to us and the child told the story one time and it was recorded. And all these people I just mentioned are at the center at the same time as that one interview. And they listened to the interview on the other side of the wall and they don't have to worry about talking to that child because I've got highly trained uh, staff members that talk to that child in a friendlier way than what a police officer or CPS worker could ever do because that's not their job. Their job is like more high speed. They've got cases waiting. Um, you can't go talk to a homicide suspect and then gear down and talk to a child. And um, so everybody comes here and, they, and then the child just tells the story one time. As far as the uh, medical piece, we're one of three, 20, 21 CACs in West Virginia right now. Let me first say that there are 21. All the counties in West Virginia are covered officially except for nine at this time. There are over 900 CACs in the United States and there are some internationally. The thing about uh, our medical program is if that, if we didn't have it, Camden Clark uh, until recently didn't have the ability to do these forensic medical examinations. You have to be, you have to be certified and they didn't have that program there. Now they have a pediatric doctor now, but she can only be available during clinical hours. We're a 24 seven, 365 facility. And when a child comes in or, and it only comes from CPS and law enforcement from us, and that's another uh, misconception. People think we're just a walk-in facility and that's not what we do. We don't, we don't take walk-ins. Our interviews have to come from CPS or from law enforcement, they have to be in the, in the inve investigative process. So all these complaints, that doesn't mean that that child's coming here. Once they deem it necessary for an interview uh, for their investigation, then they come here and we help, the, we help law enforcement and CPS do their job better. Uh, and we talk to the child appropriately. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you personally, when, when you talk to anybody as a police officer, you're hardwired to interrogate. And you don't, you maybe not, don't mean to, but that's just what you, that's just how you're made. And, and you have to do so many interviews over the course of a year. And uh, we don't, we don't do that here. And that's why the judges and prosecutors like our products is because they're, they're neutral and they're not biased. And we don't let the forensic interviewer know anything about that family or the background of that child going into the interview because you're biased and you don't mean to be, but when you have information regarding the past, you're, you're inevitably going to bring it in the interview with you. Right. And it's going to cloud your interview. So we keep them out of that process and we take, give them the basic information. They go in and they do the interview the same every single time. 
And we do not put words into the children's mouth. We let them tell the story. We, we ask open-ended questions always. We don't lead them into one thing. And not all the children here disclose abuse. And that's another misconception. Um, we're, we had a, a, a figure of 78% of the children last year disclosed abuse. The other 22% did not. And that's, you know, our goal is not to find guilt. Our, our goal is to find the truth. And um, that's and, and sometimes we see kids that are coached. So if you have a custody battle, mom's mad at dad or vice versa, they coach these children to say mean and awful things about the other parents so they can get custody full time. Well, our staff is trained to, to sort that out because a, a child has a hard time with lying. They, they don't do real well at it. And if they come in here coached, they just stick to the script. Now, as an interviewer, you ask them anything on the peripheral and they should know it, right? If it's the truth and right. we're telling them they right. know this stuff, but they don't know any of it. So they go back and they just like, I don't know. And they go right back to this script. And what we do is end up saving a parent from being wrongly accused of being an abuser. And I think that's a powerful thing because I was always afraid as an investigator, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody for being, you know, you once you make that accusation, it'll stay with that person for a lifetime, whether they're found guilty or not. Um, and that's the worst thing that can happen. If, if you make it, someone makes an accusation against you, that's it. I mean, you're, you're going to fight an uphill battle from, for the rest of eternity. So um, our center's the, the biggest in the state out of the 21 centers. We cover five counties, uh, Woodwork, Pleasants, Ritchie, and Calhoun. Um, it's the busiest center in the state. Each of the last four years, we've saw over 600. We've performed over 600 forensic interviews each of those four four years, and that's by far leading the state. And uh, we're proud of that. And we we do it all with just enough people. We don't have too many people for sure. Um, what my staff experiences is uh, they they take on the trauma of these interviews. These some of these interviews are bad. They're evil. They're they're just they'll keep you up at night. Uh, some of the things that these parents, uh, mostly 51% last year, these biological parents are doing to their own children is, uh, is abominable. It's, uh, it's, and, they, and these workers start falling in love with these kids and they, they, they take on this stress, this trauma. And the hardest job I've had since coming to North Star, uh, by far, bar none, is taking care of staff, mental health keeping them ready, keeping them healthy. Um, you know, they're moms and, and they're, they got, <laughs> they've got a lot of stress at home anyway. And they, they, they have kids sick and they have pets sick and they have family die and they have garage door openers break and, and furnaces go out. And, and my goal is to not, not charge them any time off to get and take care of those things. You just go take care of it. The team, the team will take care of, you for this moment because you'll be able to take care of another staff member, I guarantee you, in, in just a very short while. So, um, you know, it's uh, all the accolades. I get to talk to people, but uh, the work on the ground, the boots on the ground, I mean, what this staff does is uh, absolutely remarkable. And in and, and some days, um, I remember last January, not this January, but these stories coming in the door, they're always bad. It's child abuse, right? But you have some tolerable, as far as a staff, you have some tolerable moments. Um, but there are months um, that 
that the stories that come through the door will absolutely kick them in the gut time and time and time again, and they don't get a chance to take a breath and recuperate. And on January of 23 was one of those months and it took them, uh, it was a month and a half, February and half of March before I saw them uh, be somewhat normal functioning again, because the stories were so, so bad that, that they just wouldn't, they wouldn't let up. And, um, you know, kudos go out to that staff. So I'm proud of them. So when, when a child comes in, do they come in with a parent or do they come in with law enforcement or do they come in with CPS or, yes. and how do they, how do they perceive you guys? How do they perceive you guys? I mean, when you, when they come in and they see you, I mean, how do you gain their trust to be able to say, Hey, look, you know, we're here for you. You know, you, how do you, how do you gain their trust and, and how do they see you guys? Great, great, team? great question. But, uh, and that's, that's actually one of the, the big things we start. So when they come through the door, um, it's, it's a, it's not a sterile setting, like, like you would see at law enforcement or CPS. So this is a child friendly, family friendly center. And as soon as they come through the door, there's fish tanks and there's murals and there's toys um, all around and, and all the food and snacks you can eat and drink. And our advocate, we'll have a interviewer and an advocate assigned to every child or family. And um, the advocate will meet them at the door and the friendship uh, and the bonding will start right there. And it'll be trying to get that child comfortable enough to where they can just feel like, hey, this is this is OK. You know, they don't feel like they're any place. They don't feel like they're a dentist office or a, any any place bad. I mean, this is we want to be their friend. We're, that's why we're an advocacy center for those children. And uh, sometimes the parents will bring them if they're not offending. Uh, if they're if they're listed as an offending parent, they're not allowed on the property. Um, sometimes foster parents will bring them because children who have been placed in foster homes will sometimes disclose abuse later. And now they're in right. the foster parents, right? So um, CPS uh, will be here. Uh, they have to be here or law enforcement or both. Uh, we can't do an interview without those people being present. Um, and I tell you, sometimes, um, you know, this, this, when the child makes its way back here, uh, you can see that, I mean, all this, all this uh, aesthetics that they're seeing is, it has really got them calmed down and they don't feel like they're under pressure. Now, small children, they like to talk and, and they'll talk. Um, older, older teens, uh, they're mad at the world. Uh, they're teens anyway, which anybody who's had a teenager knows what that's like. And, um, you know, it takes it takes more. It, it And we don't treat everybody like a young kid. We treat everybody. We meet them where they're at emotionally, fundamentally, where they're at, you know, developmentally with their. Sometimes we'll interview an eight year old that acts like a 16 year old. But sometimes we'll interview a 16 year old that acts like an eight year old. And, um, wow. you know, it's just, that you know, I, I forget uh, just to give you the statistic, I think. Um, uh, there was a large percentage uh, of children we saw that were uh, listed with a disability. 48% of the kids we saw here last year were listed as having a disability. And uh, the, the, the statewide statistic was 30%. So, you know, um, the opioid uh, crisis that we, we, we see here, another thing that popped out to me 
34% of the children served here had allegations of drug, drug abuse, drug endangerment. What, what's scary about that is, and, and I'm surprised it's not higher, quite frankly, but the state, it was only 14%, and nationally, it was only 3%. <laughs> So, um, you know, everybody, you're, you, you guys that, you know, your backgrounds, you know what, what I'm talking about. They, these people that OD, they have kids. These people that are addicts, they have kids. So what we have here is these, who's taking care of those children? Because, you know, looking at, you know, my experience in life, um, we're, we're, we're taking care of the adults the best we can that are addicts and under this curse. But these children are our next generation of problems. If you don't get them fixed and you don't put the money into it and give them the resources to be a successful part of society, they're the next people. The people you see on bicycles and backpacks at three o'clock in the morning in Parkersburg, this, these children we're seeing, they're going to be that person, at, at, you know, when they're old enough. And when I, uh, when I worked narcotics, I got smart and I started talking to people and asking questions and trying to learn more about why I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And everybody on a backpack and a bicycle in Parkersburg that I'd stop, I'd ask them, you know, why, why, why are you here? And, uh, or where are you from? And the, and the, and the remarks were, it was always like Beckley, Lewisburg, Martinsburg, someplace else. Right. Yep. So now you're downtown, right? You're in Parkersburg. I mean, why are you homeless? And the first statement nearly out of every conversation I had that I didn't catch at the time because I wasn't in that realm was I was abused as a child. And then we would go into these other these other things and I'd say, well, how come you're out on the street? Well, I, my, I had a dirty urine test at, the, at one of the rehab centers and I got kicked out of the program. So why are you still here? Well, my family doesn't want me back or I don't have any family wherever they're from. And I get all the drugs and everything I need here in Parkersburg. So why would I leave? And, and I think that's a lot of why we're seeing what we're seeing is like this, this population, uh, there's people moving out of town, but the people that are increasing the population are people that are other people's problems that have come here and, and failed out of a, failed out of a center and they don't want to leave or don't have to leave or don't, no place to go back to. And uh, it's a really sad cycle we're in, but, I can tell you some of these kids at three and four years old, five years old, they talk like 20 year old rappers and gangsters and they can tell you how to shoot drugs, shoot IVs. They can tell you what smoking devices look like. Uh, they blow my staff's mind with some of the descriptions. They got to come to me and ask, Hey, what is this? And I'll tell them what it probably is. And um, you know, this is how they're growing up and it's normal, right? So when a child grows up and they're in this every day and they talk, more filthy than anybody I've ever heard. It's what, why? Because they're hearing it every day and they're, they're just, they're just so in that moment and they don't know that's not the way life is. And we try to get into the schools and talk to the students and, and we'll talk to, uh, you know, if we talk to a group of 90 people, we had, we had, we did all Richie counties. I think um, my assistant director, Julie Nutter, and uh, went to Dritchie County, I think it was, and they were 90 students and 18 of them disclosed abuse. And you have to have counselors ready and you have to have stuff because it's just not disclosures. We got to do something now. So um, we're, we're trying to grow and, and get more stable and, and try to head off some of these problems. But 
the problems are, you know, everybody knows what the problems are. And I'm not saying that our problems are, are more important than anybody else's, but I do look at, at if we don't fix these kids and we don't give them a fighting chance, we don't give them resources. Uh, we stay with these, some of these families and kids for up to two, three years, law enforcement, CPS, once the interview's over with, they go into the next case. You know, this isn't, they, they're not, they don't have time. They have to get onto the next case. So who stays with the family and the children through the court system or just getting them resources to have therapy? That's, that's CAC straight up. And, and we stay with people for up to two to three years, however long they're, they're needed. So, um, you know, this, 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 what we're doing is, is big and um, the successes are small and we know what we're up against, but you know, it's either that or sit on your laurels and make the problem worse one of these days, or you can choose to do something about it. Well, let me tell you, you brought that up. That's exactly why I ran for city council, because my mom told me, said, you can do two things. You can sit back and complain about it, or you can do something about it. See, and, and that goes up to something that uh, Rick and I, along with, I know you know Mother Marjorie from the Good Shepherd Church, Pink Church. Yes. Rick, me, her, and Kim Corum at the time, used to be a city councilwoman, mm -hmm. um, started Neighborhood Youth Academy. And the Neighborhood Youth Academy came about pretty much about what you were saying. They were out in um, in the garden and Mother Marjorie looked, turned around. There was a little boy standing there and they got to talking and chatted back and forth. She goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he goes, I want to get a check just like my daddy. And she said that was the one of the dangest things she's ever heard in her life was for a little boy to say, I want a check just like my daddy. Now, how do we break the cycle? I mean, you know, uh, me being, I've been with 911 for 18 years and I've heard just exactly what you're talking about. People calling, Hey, um, there's a guy in my yard. You go down. He's from Maryland. He was kicked out of a rehab. Doesn't have anywhere to go. So the city of Parkersburg, as you know, we put money together and said, okay, if your family will take you, we'll buy you a ticket and we'll send you back home. But your family has to want you first. I'm not, you know, I know we've done a lot according, you know, I don't keep up with it. Don does, mm -hmm. Don Lindsay, but I don't know, you know, but we have to break the cycle somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, there has to be a way to reach these kids on a different level. And that's what we try to do with the neighborhood youth Academy, bring in police, fire, EMS, military judges. And hopefully when we have it this summer, we could get a hold of you, Greg, mm -hmm. to, to that these people do not see normally on a positive level they see him as a negative somebody please come and arrest daddy ambulance come to take care of mommy for something you know um and so you know we tried to introduce them to that and that's that's just when, when you were talking about that i was thinking well that's exactly what the nya is as well neighborhood youth academy and rick and i are bringing it back this year and but you know i, I just it, it's just hard to believe you see that there's a lot of things like families and stuff that I, you know, you know, when they're young, you, you we knew them when we were young, mm -hmm. the next generation's the same way as, and, and it, it, it proves your point. And I'm not going to beat a dead dog because you just explained it, but that's exactly the fact. Mm -hmm. We saw these people, here's their kids. They're the same way that they were when they were younger. And you're sitting back going, oh my God, mm -hmm. there has to be a way to break this chain. Mm -hmm. and, 
I mean, how do you guys, what, what's your thoughts on that, Greg? I mean, well, what do you think? You no, know, I don't, I think it's a, it's a systematic problem, systemic problem. And I think you can correct one or two or three, but if you don't have everybody uh, rowing in the same direction and you do a complete overhaul, we're just going to keep doing that for the rest of our years. And we're just going to, you know, it's just going to be this bad cycle. And I don't, I just, I really, I'm, I'm frustrated with, you know, I, as a narcotics officer, I used to, to go and, and we would raid a home and uh, we would, we would, uh, before we got the house cleaned up, the bad guy we arrested was back sitting on the front steps waiting for us to clean up and he was laughing at us. And it was so frustrating and, and it's hard to concentrate on why do I want to do this for, the, for this many hours and just have this, this is the way we're doing things. So I really, uh, you know, when you hear everybody talk about, you know, we got to break the cycle, break the cycle. I couldn't agree more, but it's a top to bottom overhaul and it's everybody doing the right thing and losing egos and, and, and not being afraid to lose votes or by saying something that will offend somebody, speak the truth. Here's the problem. Here's the facts. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm not getting political. I, I, I spew out facts. I spew out percentages. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. You want to argue with me? I'm good with it. I sh I'll do it all day long. But um, it's just it's just uh, it's just a systemic problem, I really think. And, um, you know, I'm just going to try to, to do my bit wherever I'm at and do the best I can, because if I let what other people are doing around me affect the way I look at my missions, I'll never do anything again because I'll be totally aggravated and just done. And uh, I worry about what I can control and what's within my grasp. And I think that's what, if, if we could all do that, uh, we would gain, gain something, but you know, and, and one, thing, exactly 100%. Yeah, one thing I was thinking is it's a, a misconception that um, there, you hear people say our, our center doesn't make any decisions either on these children at all. So anything that happens to that child or the family, if they get removed, it's done by CPS or it's done by law enforcement. We, we don't do any of that. We just do the interview and then we advocate for that family and give them what they need and explain the system explain the details, explain what's going to happen, get them in therapy, get them the things they need. Um, but decisions are not us. And a lot of people, if they're mad at CPS, um, they're mad at us a lot of times. So you have, we, have to, right. we have to explain. We're not, we're not CPS. We, we work, we provide a service to CPS and uh, um, it's just, um, you know, there was a child, there was a 10 year old child, uh, UNT may remember it, uh, a 10 year old child that that was in a home for four days with his mother's corpse uh, that OD by self phone was dead. Couldn't unlock her phone, scared to go outside four days with your mother's corpse. And we get that child here. And the father of that case, who was ironically a good father. And that's not always the case uh, as you guys can well imagine with, with the people we deal with, this was a good father who had to leave the mom because the the things were so bad with the addiction and other things and the father now uh finds out he's a single father and he feels guilty because he left the home and he doesn't know how to be a single father and he doesn't have the resources and you know who took care of him and, and tried to help him get there we did you know that's not what CPS awesome. and law enforcement awesome. does they can't they are so inundated with just putting out fires they can't concentrate on the victims of these, these things that are so unfair. And, um, 
now I'm, I'm proud that we can do that for people and, and try to get them um, back in the right, the right mode. Well, see, when I first, when I first became a city councilman eight years ago, one of the first things I did was spoke with then chief Joe Martin about the drug problem. And one of the, one of the biggest things he said to me, I think Greg was, I said, why can't, why can't you take these people to jail? He goes, Bob, he goes, you cannot arrest your way out of this problem. He goes, you know, and, and, and I, as a dispatcher on the dispatch side, I can hear the frustration in the officer's voices when they go into a house central, they brought him back and he doesn't want us here. I'm like, excuse me, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, but, um, you know, I guess at the FOPA, you spoke about some shocking statistics. Can you speak to how pervasive the situation really is? And I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, can I, you I do have, that. Or? Yeah, I've got new statistics too. I think I spoke uh, on the year prior because these weren't released at the time, and this has been re these have been released since my uh, talk with the FOPA. Um, some some of the big some of the bigger ones is um, of the 21 CACs in West Virginia. Um, they served nearly 4,900 children last year, and that was a 10% increase over the last five years. This problem is not going away. Uh, I can guarantee you that. Um, we saw 604 children in, in last the last fiscal year, um, or the last calendar year, I'm sorry, and 475 of them were from Wood County alone. And um, that's 14 fewer than we saw the year prior. And that's the first time in eight years that numbers even dropped. But keeping in mind, our, our interviews come from law enforcement CPS. There were a lot of times in 2023 where law enforcement and CPS were uh, struggling mentally, emotionally, manpower. Um, I know there were people off at CPS a couple of times for, for mental health issues or mental health breaks. Uh, so, you know, when we say we're down 14 interviews, that doesn't mean anything here. And it doesn't mean child abuse didn't happen as much. It's just our interviews come from them and that's all they're able to get to. And um, that's that's pretty big. Um, some of um, some of the other things that that came out um, were 44. Now, this was this was a big one to me, really. I'm really happy about this. 44 cases had criminal charges filed in 2023. And that, that number was up from 26 uh, the year prior. So, so what we're doing as a team, now mind you, we're a team, law enforcement, CPS, prosecutors, uh, everybody's working toward the same thing. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty good because this is the hardest case you ever uh, file charges on, I'll guarantee you. It's he said, she said, most of the time there's very, there's little to no uh, physical evidence, and you can't put a eight-year-old child on the stand to be cross-examined by a defense attorney um, unless you've got something uh, a little heavier than just the statement. So it's very hard on the prosecutors for sure. 44% um, of the children we saw uh, was because of sexual abuse. <coughs> Excuse me. 34%, as I said before, had allegations of drug endangerment. 45% uh, of the children were between the ages of 7 and 12. 60% of the children were female. 
90% of the alleged offenders were 18 years and older. Um, you know, we 10%, meaning 10%, uh, what that means is a child on child. So we have child on child offenses, and that's really hard to do something with, but we have, it happens. It happens 10% uh, of these cases. One of the big ones, uh, and the statistic is 98% plus, but I'd say it's closer to 100%. 98% uh, of the alleged offenders were someone the child knows. Uh, you know, this stranger danger stuff is, it's, it's all, it, we have to do it. But you need to look at who's spending time with your kids uh, because these kids know exactly, you know, these kids are hanging around the people that offend against them. It's not someone pulling up in a white van, pulling them inside. Um, luckily, we're not in that type of environment. And 98% um, plus, they knew them. 51% were parents, 12% were step parents, 19% were relatives, 8% were the parents' boyfriend or girlfriend. This is, wow. this is uh, look who your kids are hanging around, man. They're just, uh, you know, you're looking coaches, uh, you're, you're looking at, at, at uh, pastors, you're looking at, you know, the clergy, you're looking at just anybody who's making an effort to spend with, and, and the problem I've seen over my years is it, we're a pretty we're a pretty Christian community, and I think being a Christian a lot of times in this environment, even when I teach active shooter classes, being a Christian means you're trusting, and it, and you don't feel right about accusing or being suspicious, and and you don't want to do those things because you don't feel like you're being godly, and what ends right. up happening things happen right in front of you. So if you're a church and I'm sitting there teaching, I'm like you got to you know we welcome everybody in to pray with us. Well. You know, as we've seen in some situations down south in particular, a white man walks into an all black church and sits and worships, worships with them for 30 minutes and then he kills every one of them. You know, this is this was a trusting and, and you know, that's all that was. That was just that was being a good Christian. You can't be um, unaware of what's going on around you these days, especially. Uh, I don't know that you ever could. I don't know how much times have changed. I'm sure my grandfather sit on the back porch and griped about the same things I gripe about, except oh, you know, yeah. social media, right? So, uh, I mean, those are those Did are real know, things. A lot of this stuff, though, I mean, growing up, I mean, I'm sure it happened. Sure. But we didn't normally hear about it. Right. Especially as kids, because back in the day, I mean, I'm 62, and I'm not afraid to say it. Kids were not allowed to be involved in adult situations. I mean, as far as discuss, big discussions about stuff like that, we, we were not burdened with that stuff. We were we were kids, and the whole the whole thing has changed. Mm -hmm. Now the kids are right there in the center of everything that's happening, and their brains, their little brains, are like, "What what do I do? I mean, who do I turn to, and what who do I ask?" And and you know, thank God for teachers. I, I'm not sure you know what kind of training teachers have, but you know, if they could take a look and say something ain't right mm -hmm. you know i mean i'm sure they probably can become sure you know especially if they work with a kid long, with the children long enough um but is your facility open for visitors to come and see how child friendly it is or do you guys do that or yeah we do that we, we have to have an appointment because we have to have you know a little bit of anticipation it's it's a secure facility um because we get a lot of people that aren't you know are not happy about what's going on around them with their families and their kids. So I, when I got up here, that was one of the first things I did. I locked it down. And, uh, and you know, as, as you probably uh, know already, uh, we, call the, we call the sheriff's office the minute 
there's a chance of being a problem because I can tell you, this is one of the most volatile situations you can face as a law enforcement officer. When you take someone's kids away from them, um, it may seem like everything's going just fine, but it'll change in the blink of an eye and everything's bad. So I don't know chances with that. There's, you know, when law enforcement shows up, it usually calms it down right now. And, and, but occasionally we've had issues and, um, you know, when I talked about some of the offenders, um, you know, the non-offending people bringing kids into this center. Well, the thing that happens often, I don't know, not often, but it happens more frequently than you would think. The, the non-offending person that brings the children in here, uh, by the time that forensic interview is over, that person's offending. <laughs> and, and now they're an offending parent sitting in our lobby. And we're about to take, you know, we're about to support, we're, CPS is about to remove the children from the family and that's when I call for law enforcement assistance when we're ready to make that announcement right. because it's such a dangerous situation. So, and you know, that happens all the time and we don't like it because this is a friendly center and we don't want the children who have to come back to be like, oh, that's where they took my mommy and daddy away from me. It's not right. It's not good, but it has to happen because you can't let the child walk out the door with an offending person. And that's just the way it goes. So, um, but our center, back to your question, we, we gladly give tours. And um, I can tell you 100% of the people that have come through here during my tenure, something changes. Uh, you can support us. Uh, you can say you support us. You can really mean it. Um, but when you walk through that front door, and I've seen some hard people come through there and leave crying, something changes. And we don't try to do that. We just merely tell you what we do and where we do it at. But when you walk in and you see where a child has to sit at and tell their story and where the group sits in the observation room, listens to that story. And when you see that the medical room is super powerful, you can you can see a physical change in their person take place when they're in that medical room because they know that a child is in that room to get any kind of medical evidence that we can gather. But we also are trying to fix that child, too, because a lot of adult people, when I when I spoke to groups, people will come up at the end of the night and they'll say, you know what, Greg, I wish somebody would have told me when I got sexually assaulted or sexually abused as a child that there wasn't anything wrong with my body, that everything is just fine and I don't look any different than anybody else, any other kid. And I lived with that thought for my entire life because I never heard that. So we're trying to start that healing process in there. And, and that's some of the good things that are coming out of that center as well, or out of that medical room as well. Now, Greg, going Go along with, going along with what you're saying, um, don't you also feel that these child, the, these children, these adults, these people that this has happened to, they believe that if they do believe that something's wrong, that, it's not ha it's never happened to anybody else with them they're mm -hmm. the only person that this thing has ever happened to or they're just so innocent they think it this happens to everybody yeah, Would yeah you agree with that that's exactly right and where we see that the most is when we go into these schools and 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 we we some of our people will be talking and given this um class uh, for lack of a better word to these these children and you'll you'll actually physically see children looking around from side to side wondering who else is this that this isn't normal and that's the look on their face they're just looking around like holy cow i 
I thought everybody lived like this or had this happen in their homes. And so that's where you really see this as is you get them in an auditorium and you speak to them all at once. You can see the ones that are trying to figure out and, and you tell them it's not normal and they're trying to figure out why, why, what, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my family? And then they want to talk to somebody. So they come up and they'll say, I, I think I need to talk to you. And then, wow. then, then we kick in as a system, right? We kick in to let's save this child and get them, you know, sometimes it's not too terrible. Sometimes children are just curious, like it's not exactly right, but sometimes it's bad. And, um, and we've got some pretty good, you know, um, disclosures that ended up in our center after our class, they ended up in our center as an interview. T, do you have anything, any other questions? I mean, Greg's covering like most of everything that I have. <laughs> Any questions I was about, Greg, so. I had questions in my head. His next, his next sentence is like, okay. Well, I, I do have a question, Greg. For those people, we've got some of them that are asking questions here on the side. They want to get involved. They want to know, is there anything they can do to volunteer? Can they bring snacks? Um, is there anything that the public can do to help your organization out to help these children out? Yeah, I know that a lot of people want to volunteer uh, and that's that's so great, but there isn't a lot of opportunity here to volunteer because uh, number one, it's a very highly confidential uh, environment that we're in and there's not a lot. So usually with one volunteer working at a time, um, you know, Julie's real good about she sets up all our volunteers and has them help us do the things that we shouldn't have to take, I don't want our staff to take time to do. I want to get all that stuff done. So it's covered pretty well. The snacks, we put out a thing on Facebook. Facebook's a big thing for us. We have a lot of supporters. And uh, if we start running low on snacks, I don't, we haven't bought snacks since I've been here, three years. <laughs> we haven't bought snacks. We have people bringing in, we'll put a call out and we'll say, hey, we need, you know, some of these kids come in here and eat their weight and snacks. They're hungry. We've had kids come in here and, and draw spaghetti and meatballs on paper and rip it up, shred it up and eat it. They're, they're this, these are, these are some of the worst things that you can imagine. This isn't, this isn't good situation. So we give these kids what they want and they think it's like Christmas. They're like, Oh my gosh. Some of these return returning children are like, Oh, I remember they'll come in. They'll see the mural. They're like, Oh, I remember this place. You can get anything. They'll tell their sibling. You can get anything you want to eat and drink all day long. And it's just, it's great that they do that because then they feel like they, they, they should be there. So buying us snacks and donating things, that's money we don't have to take out of our budget because we don't, we're a nonprofit. And uh, until recently, uh, and it's probably still pending. I spoke to the city of Vienna um uh, and i've spoke to them i think twice now and um it's just hard to believe how much they have come on board with what we're doing here and i i, I asked to be included in the budget because we don't have any of that steady money everything that we get is just like you get a grant or foundation money it's for a period of time and it'll be gone you don't know if it's going to be there the next year so i don't that's not a that's not stable and the city of vienna um, man, they've been, this is a group of elected officials and you know, Bob, more than anybody, how critical everybody is of elected officials. Oh, this yeah. group of elected officials sit there and, and some of them were in tears by the end of the presentation and, uh, and they unexpectedly ordered, awarded us $10,000 out of this year's budget, which I didn't even ask for an amount. Number one, I didn't ask for anything out of this year's budget. Number two. And then I went back and presented uh, just the other night um, about 
Thursday night about please think about including us in your budget. I'm trying to get the county commission in the city of Parkersburg. So this collapsing VOCA grant doesn't cost me people here because we can't do our job with one less person. And I, I need in budgets to cover at least two or three positions. So I don't ever have to, you know, I can use this money and keep afloat. And I asked for $10,000 and I felt bad about it. And I, I actually apologized. And there were two council members that spoke up and they're like, I don't know, but I think you need more than $10,000 and we're going to look at it and see what we can do. And that's I'm nearly thinking. thinking. That's what I was thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah. So I, I spoke to the county commission and asked for $50,000 in the budget because 75% of our cases always come from Wood County. We're five county area. 75% of our cases come from Wood County, always. Last year it was 78. Wood County and Parkersburg have the majority of those. Vienna doesn't have the majority of those. They have some. That's why I asked for less. Um, you know, that, and, and, and here's probably a question I bet you T's ruminating on right now, thinking about asking me, is why is Wood County at 78% and it's over 75%? <clears throat> it's not because we are a land of pedophiles and abusers. And, and I need to make that perfectly clear because a lot of people get so aghast at that number. And it is, it's like you're five counties and 75% of 600 some kids are from this county. Well, you got to remember, uh, and you guys probably know the numbers better than I do. We have 150 police officers or so in this county. We have, we have 36 CPS workers. We have a dozen or so prosecutors, assistant prosecutors and advocates. We have people on the ground doing a great job bringing these cases forward and trying to get something done, right? So now I will go to Work County. You go to Work County, you have a part-time prosecutor working two days a week, and you have a secretary. And you have three, or I think they're up to four sheriff's deputies now. They did have three. They have no state police detachment. How many cases do you think, along with their daily routine, can they can they actually get a, get to? Go to Calhoun County. They they for a long time had a one sheriff and three troopers, and I think they're getting some deputies back now. But they've still got one prosecutor and a secretary. How many cases do you think you get? I think the per capita percentage will be about the same for every county if they had the ability to get these cases, and that's where we try to come in. And you mentioned school teachers. I'll tell you one thing for sure, and especially in, in Work County and Calhoun County's case, if it wasn't for the school teachers, we wouldn't get any of these cases or kids. They know those kids so well, it is freaky. They know they can tell you what's wrong. They can tell you there's been a change. They, they are more uh, of a help to us and our system because law enforcement, they don't have money in those counties to hire all this law enforcement and stuff. Right. They are the best thing that happened to kids. And we try to use that because, and that's not the way we're built. That's not the way Wood County is, but we have 150 police officers. It's different. So the teachers are mandated reporters and they have to report abuse when they see it. And, and they come to us and they're great because these meetings we have once a month in every county, we get together and we talk about kids cases, right? This is active. Where are we at on this case? And, you know, cases, I can tell you as a detective, sometimes when you don't have people keeping track of things and you've got piles on your desk to do, sometimes a case will just sit there and it won't get attention. That doesn't happen with our system because the next every month we'll sit there and our staff members 
we'll, we'll, we'll sit there and they'll go, okay, where are we at on this case? And they'll reach out and we'll talk. Then prosecutors are mandatory by state law, state law to lead our meetings. So we'll say, where are we at on these cases? So every single kid case in every county gets covered. Sometimes you take it off the agenda because it's reached its end. It's re everything's been done. Okay, so we take it off the agenda, but then there might be three more cases come on. This, these are new cases, so it never ends. But that's how they—that's how they move it, and this is the way the team works. And and I, I really think we hold people accountable a little bit because when you get overworked and overwhelmed, you know what? You got to let some stuff go. Well, we kind of tend to uh, make sure that our kids' cases stay at the forefront. And sometimes you get a poor investigator. It, it can be CPS or law enforcement. It's just the way life is. Not everybody who does these jobs are 100% are great. And they're human beings. And they've got a lot of work to do. And in law enforcement's case, I can tell you, you're asked to do about two dozen things, two dozen jobs. You know, you're a pastor. You're, you're a teacher. You're a parent. You're, you know, you're all these things and you're supposed to know how to deal with people with mental health issues and you're supposed to respond to all these things. Hey, listen, I, I don't, I don't, nobody feels more for them than I do. So this is where we kind of come in and try to shore up the whole system and uh, give them the helping hand they need to do their job well. Greg, can people donate to you directly? Absolutely. You can go on our website. Uh, we have a way that you can you can do do it there or you can just come in the front door. You can mail it to us. Um, however, um, you, you feel the need to um, people, have, you know, the churches. Uh, I'll say one thing. The churches, since I've got here, uh, there were 12 churches that had a revival and they chose us to be the recipient of their uh, offerings for the whole week. And I thought, wow, my gosh, you know, this is my, these were these were different de denominations. And, you know, that doesn't happen real easy in West Virginia. You're usually one or another. <laughs> you don't cross the line. But <laughs> and they sit there and they they got us money. I thought, my goodness gracious, we're going to get a thousand dollars, I bet you. And about five yeah. of those pastors came in the front door one day and they handed me a check for uh, over six thousand dollars that people had gave them. Wow. For it was, you know, you're, you know, you're blessed when, when you have that kind of support and, and this is where we're growing. People are, Amazing. are finding Amazing. out about us because of uh, lovely people like you all. And I appreciate you for helping us get the word out and using your platform because we're definitely yes, riding on those coattails, but thanks to everybody who thinks about us and, and wants to help us out. What's your website so we can put it on our page so people can go to it. It's uh, northstarcac.org. Northstarcac.org, Rick. Yep. All right. Everything, everything today will be on the will be on our website and our podcast sites. And those of you who follow us pretty closely know that we're on every podcast site there is. So, um, you know, tell everybody that th this is a conversation that needed to be had. And this was a conversation. I am so glad that the Bobcast, and I'm so appreciative of Greg for being you know, gracious enough to come on and talk to us um, because this is, you know, I, I talk, I talk to a lot of people as well. And, and my big thing in this world is the kids are our future leaders. If we don't get a hold of them now, and if we don't help them now, and we don't teach them to be the leaders of tomorrow, we're going to have issues, people. 
So, you know, Greg, is there anything you want to, you else you want to talk about? Anything you'd like to say real quick? Or? Well, I think, uh, you know, and, and, and with the question about people donating, what uh, Williamstown Bank came on as a partner about a year ago and, and really has elevated our whole existence. And uh, they have the Giving Cup and it's a high-end coffee shop inside Lubeck and South Parkersburg branches. Now, yep. I mean, it's, it's fantastic fantastic product. Like you wouldn't believe how yummy this stuff is. It's high end. They pay for everything there, all the materials, overhead employment, and 100% of what you pay for your drink goes to one of six, your choice, one of six nonprofits. North Star is one of those nonprofits. And so if you want to give to us and get something great for your tummy, go into the giving cup and get yourself something to drink and 100% of what you're paying out of your pocket, what, not one penny stays there. It all goes and you can ask for it to go to North Star. And that's how you can donate to us and get you something good where you don't have to pay, feel like you're paying money at, at a chain place. You know, it's going someplace that's making a difference. Well, as a city councilman, I'd like to invite you to our city council meeting and talk to the other council people about what we talked about today because we need to be a part of it. Thanks. The city needs to be a part of it. Everybody needs to be a part of this. This is something people, wow. I, I've just been sitting here and I got, I, I've had freaking goosebumps yeah. and that's no kidding. I've got goosebumps. And it's sad because the people, you know, that we know this is going on and, and we have great people like Greg and his team and others, I might say, yeah. that are stepping up and saying, Time out. No more. Yep. Greg, on behalf of the Bobcast, man, we appreciate you. Thank you. Wow. Sir. Thank you all for having I, me. I absolutely is just I'm I'm just floored. I'm not even sure what to say, you know, because it's just it's overwhelming. And to sit here and, and think about the calls I've taken over the years and what you're telling me is like interesting. So yeah, yeah it's good. Anything stuff. we can do for you, Thank please you. let us know. Thank you. Sir. And I will reach out to all of our people and and see what we can. But definitely come to council, please. I will. I will. Thanks for the invitation, sir. All right. Have a great, great evening, sir. We're going to finish up a few things that we have to deal with. And I appreciate you, Greg, very Thank much. You. Thank you all very much. See you, buddy. Um, yeah. Wow. What do you do? Yeah, that's, oh it. that's it. You know, you I was just, almost in tears, and that's yeah. no lie. I, yeah, I was almost, that's that's. I'm sitting, you know, and he did. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, he didn't go into half the numbers that he did at the FOPA meeting. Well, I'm sure probably. Oh, it was. You know, it I'm was. Sure, he would have. Yeah, real. But listen, everybody, all those who listen to the Bobcast, go to you know, if you want to donate, go to, go to Williamstown Bank, put it for North Star Child Advocacy. Um, I'm sure we'll have something. I, I mean, I think if we could get Greg, you know, like, um, I don't know, maybe teddy bears or something the kids can hold on to, yep. like the police officers do too, you know, where they, yeah, the kids feel safe. They have something to hold on to. Um, wow. All right, Rick. Um, we have a few things we need to deal with. You got 35 minutes to make it out the Lubeck people, the yo-yo elite award-winning yo-yo elite baton team is having their spaghetti dinner 
until um, eight o'clock tonight out at Lubeck, right behind Lubeck School. It's the Lubeck Civic Center. Don't know why, but it is. Um, and they have, we was out there, it was good food, uh, good salad. Um, thank you, Columbo's, for, you know, donating and anybody else that stepped up to help this team. All the people put it together. Thank you. And those who, there was a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there. Um, so what else we have, Rick? Anything? I know we have a lot. Here we do. <clears throat> oh, the veterans table, our favorite thing now. With County Veterans Table, we're occurring the third Tuesday of each month. This month has already been, no, three days and three more days. Um, 715 16th Street. This is a food bank for veterans. Um, everybody knows we send our veterans off to fight for our freedoms. When they come back, it's our turn to take care of them, people. So go out and support this great Veterans Table feeding program, the Mountaineer Food Bank. Go out and support these good people. Uh, there's their website if you need to... Uh, see their complete schedule, or if you want to donate and help them out, volunteer. Um, you know, Rick and I started the uh, Wood County Volunteer Coalition. Jump on there. Jump on and go volunteer and help you, help our veterans out. And, what else we got, Rick? Well, and all, all of this is on our on our calendar page. So you can come yep. to our website, yep. and uh, if you miss anything, you come to the website and get get the dates. Uh, here we, Everything will be taken care of. There we go. We had uh, oh, the Easter, Easter Bunny. Yeah, March the 1st, he's coming to Grand Central Mall. Yep. Take your kids up. Let them see the Ether Bunny at Grand Central Mall March 1st and up until I'm sure I think Easter, the day before Easter, I think they'll have them up there. Go up there and just spend the day with your kids, folks. After after tonight's daggone interview, spend time with your kids. Oh, yeah. My God. Love them. Let them know they're safe. Let them know you're there for them. Don't ever let, don't don't ever have your child feel like a stranger around their family. I know I didn't. I know growing up and, and those who follow me on Facebook, I talk about my family all the time. Why? I had the greatest childhood and that's just the way it is. Some don't. So reach out. What else? Rick? March the 2nd. Ah, here we go. March the 2nd. Parkerburg South High School baseball teams have a um, cash bingo, 20 games for $20. Um, it'll be on our um, web page and our calendar. Uh, for more information, call Tracy Fling at 304-615-4442. All the information will be on the page. Go and support the Parkersburg South High School baseball team. Always a great day to be a Patriot. Go ahead, Rick. Had to do that, T. Sorry. <laughs> ah. Meet the candidate, our buddy, Mr. Don Lindsay, running for magistrate Thursday, March 7th at Columbo's from 430 to 8. Uh, Don will be having um, a meet the candidate there. Uh, 30 years work years working to protect citizens of Wood County, 25 years court experience. Running for the fifth the fifth spot. Is that right? Yes. See the fifth. Yes. Yes. We got a new right? no, no, no. Um, due to the census, um, Wood County has gained another magistrate. So this is a whole new position that we had four before. And I guess at one uh -huh. point there were five. Um, but Wood County had lost some people during the census. So one of the magistrate spots had been taken away. But now after the last census, there's the population has elevated and has caused Wood County to have another magistrate spot open. So way to go. They need district it. five. They need yes. They're overworked. And people are overworked yes. and underpaid. Yes. Every one of them. <laughs> and 
and you got to love them. I mean, I know every one of them. They're all just great people. Our buddy, Mr. Roger, Roger Conley's monthly town hall meeting. Um, March the 7th, Mineral Wells. Thank you, Rick. March the 7th, Mineral Wells. Roger's course is running for Wood County Commission. Uh, come share your thoughts on how we can make Wood County better. Um, you know, there, there's so much going on. We we have to come together, folks, as a as a community, as a um, as neighbors, as friends, and we have to really support all these all these fine organizations. You know, um, Mama T and the Warriors. She's having a thing coming up, Rick. It's Easter egg hunt at Parkersburg High School, I think. They need fifteen hundred hot dogs and we need to we need to step up and help you know i mean if you're out there and you can please step up i know i'm going to um what else we got rick anything uh yeah we got uh, some new law enforcement coming ah, you know we missed this last week yeah we did we missed this kids we missed this what kenny sheriff's department under the direction of the great rick Woodger, is hiring want to be a deputy there it is come down the test is going to be oh it's an open application certified uncertified positions um they have an incentive uh, certified officers receive incentive pay for years of experience up to 10 years and i thought and i'm not going to say it because I'm, i thought they had a um oh there it is after one year pro let's see certified officers start at 40 yeah so there is a incentive there i, I thought there was a, like a like Parkersburg does, there may be. I just may not be seeing it. But come out and be part of the best, people. And uh, they're, on out. they're they're testing on February the twenty fourth. So if you're interested, right, get your application in early. Days. That's seven days. Yes, and sir. Come out, come out and be a part of the very best. These these guys, these guys, every single officer, even our Parkersburg officers are hiring Thursday, March seventh, at six p.m. to Parkersburg Municipality second floor. This will also be on the web page. Um, you know, we're running behind. You know, for some reason, back in the day, there used to be two things that you wanted to be, a nurse and a policeman or a firefighter, or three things, sorry. Yeah, three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you. Leave me alone, problem. Rick. <laughs> Leave me alone, Rick. I can tell your Go problem your in two words. You can't count. Math was not <laughs> your best subject, Bob. My God, I did get kicked out of math. Yeah, there go. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, well, well. The teacher, the key, teacher kept telling me pi r square, and I know they're round. Mm. Yeah. So she she didn't like, so she threw me out the door. Yeah. I was the tallest kid in third grade last year too. So. <laughs> oh, here's something cool. Back the blue bowling benefit, folks. This is gonna be awesome. This is going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be April 27th and Sunday, April 28th, 10 a.m., Pike Street Lanes. Gwen, here's the uh, download the entry at, at thebobcast.net slash download slash bowling.pdf. Um, there's just, just read it. Entry fee is $25. And that's going to be great because it's going to be law enforcement. And we're working on something else with law enforcement coming up, which as soon as I meet with the chief this week, um, I'm going to see if we, you know, we'll have it on the Bobcast next time we come on. 
So again, everything will be on our page, on our calendars. Go, <clears throat> excuse me, Rick, tell them what the webpage is so everybody will know, please. Yeah, it's uh, thebobcast.net. Exactly. slash calendar. Yep. And we got one so more thing. This is a few months off, but uh, be thinking about it. Oh, oh, this is the Vienna Freedom Festival. This is something that I missed last year because I had to work. Um, two exciting weekends of celebration this year, June 28th, 29th, July 5th and 6th. July 28th and 29th, Grand Central Mall, 5th and 6th at Spencer's Landing. Um, there's details coming soon who, who will be the, you know, um, entertainment and stuff yeah, like that they always, so, always have a really good show it's really great I, I know right they do they do and it's always big and everybody up in vienna is so proud of that you know what i mean oh yeah so t yeah. everything you'd like to say before we go no i'm just anything you'd like to say before we go? i'm just glad that greg was back was here i'd like to get him back on here sometime and you know well reach yeah. out to him i mean yeah you you can reach out to anybody you I, and i don't know if we've ever you can reach out to anybody you want to. If you got Ooh. somebody you think would be great, yeah, that, that you get them on. Yeah, let us know. Okay. Um, check with Rick on the calendar dates because we have we're booked up till like March, Rick. Yeah. Yep. I don't. Have uh, so next week there won't be there, there won't be any um, next week there won't be any Bobcast, but the following week we'll come back. Um, we'll we'll post on who's going to be on. Um, it, you know, we were doing a lot of election stuff, but we really need to get back to what's happening. And there's a lot of people who want to come on and talk to us. I know Amanda Stevens from downtown PKB yep. does an amazing job. She wants to come on, um, uh, you know, just different people. So, you know, we, we will we will keep you all informed like we always do. So if everybody's done, and we're going to close out tonight. Again, what a powerful, powerful interview with Mr. Greg Collins tonight. Absolutely. He's a great guy. Very knowledgeable. Yes. Very smart man. And folks, if you can help, if you, you know, do a, do a uh, teddy bear collector collection or something, anything to help them out. Get on Facebook, send them a box of chips. Oh yeah. Go, go down and you know, get a big, get a case yeah. of Mr. B's and take them over there. Yeah. Um, yep. Now These you, kids uh, deserve it. You can get little teddy bears yep. for like a buck, buck and a half. Just be careful where you get them. And, you know, yep. get 25 or 30 of them. Take them down there. Take them down and, and give the kids something to hold on to. Oh, yeah. While they're going through, you know, what they're going through. And, Trauma. you know, if you see something, yeah. if you see something, say something. Yes. Okay. That's the cry of the, of the law enforcement officers. If you see something, suspect something, say something. Okay. Really seriously. It's been a pleasure, T, Rick. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Appreciate you. Appreciate you hanging in there. And um, we're going to close out tonight. You guys, family, friends, you know, we love you. I, I, I can't say it enough. So everybody have a great night. We'll see you in a couple of weeks in the Bobcast MOV with Rick, T, and Bob. The heartbeat of the Mid-Ohio Valley. Take us out of here. All righty. This has been a production of the Bobcast MOV Productions. Thank you for watching. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel.